Um, it's been an amazing year. How many of you had an amazing year this last year? God's done phenomenal things, really, and, and so much to give thanks for. Uh, I was just looking back over our own um, updates that we put out you know, on a monthly basis of things the Lord's been doing. And it really just reads like a continual uh, course, like the book of Acts. It's just so many wonderful miracles we've seen Jesus done. We've just completed eight missions in the UK. Most of those have been with eight to 12 or so churches in, in each mission. Few of them have less than that. But, but right across the board, we're finding that the UK is so open to the gospel. Um, so many people coming to Christ on our streets, so many getting healed. If I started up sharing two stories with you, uh, we'd be here a long time. And I, I, I've already been warned that they rugby tackle you at 12 o'clock in this church. So I have to be careful. So anyway, but look, just want to say this before I share my main message today. Um, just to, to under, uh, underline some of the things that, um, that Lucy was sharing with you earlier about the one event. Some of the pictures you saw up there suddenly reminded me there's a picture of yours truly there um, in very relaxed mode, uh, you know, sharing it in, the, in Jared's stream uh, at the one event two years ago. It was a fantastic time. And um, just wanted to share just briefly what happened in one of the meetings there. You may or may not be aware of this. But when it came to the, the particular day we were ministering healing, uh, I remember that um, Jared said we got about an hour and a half to do this session. And, um, you know, we, we were going on, we were preaching away. And, uh, and then suddenly the guys came in early, the stewards. They came in and they said, look, suddenly change of plan. You know, we've got to get you out. And another group coming in in a few minutes. And so I was up there and I was thinking, you know, I had a good hour to preach. And then I'm going to have half an hour to minister to people. And actually, I had five minutes. So what happened at that moment was I said, guys, I'm really sorry. Change of plan. What I'm going to have to do right now is just pray over you like we do in Africa. And, uh, and let's just take courage that Jesus is the same in England as he is in Africa. And so we're just going to speak the word over you right now, wherever you are. And uh, I said, right, Lord, where do we start? And, uh, and the Lord just spoke to me to start with people who were deaf in, the, in one ear or other. And we just prayed over the crowd. Now, the great thing was, is that the team here from Revive just got with it straight away, particularly your young people. Now, there was a, a good number of you here who are present in that meeting, but so a lot of your young people as well just got stuck in laying hands on anything that moved and, and things that didn't. And, uh, you know, they just laid hands on anybody and literally... Within um, two, three minutes, we had 13 deaf ears open in that one meeting. That was just fabulous. And then suddenly I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, um, pray for joints. And uh, I was quite sure he didn't mean drugs, you know. So <laughs> and I thought, you know. So anyway, I, I, I started to pray. And very specifically, I saw a picture of somebody who from the fifth to the seventh vertebrae in their spine had a, a major deterioration of the spine. So I just spoke it out. So there's somebody here in a, with the fifth to the seventh vertebrae. Jesus is healing you right now. And that's all I said. Then suddenly, you know, I had to leave. I was escorted out. And um, uh, all I remember, uh, actually, at that moment, after I said from the fifth to the seventh vertebrae, I remember seeing and hearing a wheelchair go one way and a body fly the other. Now, that's all I remember seeing. Now, that was in August. In December that year, my last meeting of the year, I was ministering with a small church in Kesgrave in Ipswich. And uh, they wanted us to go on the Saturday outside Tesco's to hand out free donuts and to pray for people and share the gospel. Everybody likes donuts. So um, it seemed, to be honest with you, it seemed that everybody was on a diet that day. <laughs> so many people were refusing them, you know. And, uh, but nonetheless, we, we were giving out these donuts and we prayed for people, led some people to the Lord. And I just had my last bag of donuts and my last invite to an event that was going on that night. And um, 
I saw this couple, probably, I think she was about 62, 63 years old, something like that. And they were talking to a police officer who was also outside Tesco. He's just talking about the stuff they do in the community. And just as they finished talking to them, I tapped on her shoulder and she turned around to me together with her husband. And she looked at me, she said, oh, it's you. So I said, well, it certainly isn't anybody else. You know? And um, so she said, uh, no, no, no. She said, you were on the Lincolnshire Showground at the one event, weren't you? She said, speaking in Jared Cooper's um, stream. She said, this summer. I said, yes, that's right. I said, well, why do you say that? She said, well, um, she said, I'm so glad to see you. I, I just wanted to tell you the good news of what God did for me in that meeting. She said, you know, I'd been in a wheelchair for 30 years. I had massive deterioration of the spine. And she said, particularly between the fifth to the seventh vertebrae. She said, when I was 33 years old, they took me and did an MRI of, of my scan of my spine. They said, you've got the spine of a 70 year old. They said, it's massive deterioration. And I was put in a wheelchair, been in it for 30 years. She said, but when you spoke that word out, she said, the power of God went through me. Nobody laid hands on me at all. I was thrown out of the wheelchair, landed on my feet. I've never been in it since. She said, uh, I've, ha I've had a fresh MRI scan. And they said to me, they said that now, I said, what on this earth has happened to your spine? Now you've got the spine of a 30-year-old. And she's 63. Isn't that great? <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, just great things were happening uh, in that stream. And she told me now the wheelchair's for sale on eBay, you know, it's all, all great stuff. But uh, just amazing the things that Jesus does. And so I, I want to highly recommend you to get along to the one event and, uh, and support Jared and, and, and Vicky and their stream, all they're doing. You know, you're part of a great church. Wonderful, the, the teams that are going out. When you sent the team to be with me in Slovakia, uh, you know, the guys were just fantastic. It rained a lot. We weren't able to do everything we wanted, but still lots of salvations and healings. And the guys just served and served. Um, it really, they, they, I just take my hat off to them. It was fantastic. So um, keep praying for your church. Keep uh, supporting them, standing with them. God's doing great stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just pray together and I'm going to share the word with you this morning. Father, we're so grateful for your presence with us today. We thank you, Lord, for the reality that you are here. We thank you that you're the miracle working God. And we pray that you would speak into every one of our lives today, that you will encourage our hearts, that you will change our lives, that you'll put faith into us through the word of God. And Lord, we pray as we do so often, don't let one person leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, would you turn with me to John chapter 1, please? John chapter 1. I want to talk to you this morning, particularly in preparation for Christmas. I know you have a particularly uh, great Christmas event you're putting on to welcome people to, to come along. And we're really expecting to see many people come to know Jesus in the Christmas event here at Revive. Amen. Amen. So the thing about this is this, I want to share with you today on this subject, the power of invitation, the power of invitation. And I want to share this with you because look, I'm, I'm an evangelist. Uh, sometimes I speak to churches, sometimes I'm out doing out in the open air on the streets. Sometimes, you know, I'm in schools. sometimes I'm preaching to large crowds, 10 days time, I'll be, you know, uh, we, we've hired a 35,000 seater stadium in Rwanda, uh, right up to the, on the border in Nagoma and the borders uh, near Burundi where all the troubles are right now. Please do pray for us. We're expecting many, many thousands to come to Christ, lots of miracles, you know. But I can tell you this, that the greater majority majority of people who come to, to know Jesus in a personal way, in a saving way, in churches and in evangelistic events around the world, 96% of them come to Christ because another Christian brought them. Yeah. 
Those are the statistics. Now you can do all the advertising on the TV. You can put adverts all up around town. You can put them out on the radio. It all helps. And you know, it's great. But you only get about a 5% turnout from that. The greater majority, the rest of the 90, 91%, they all come because a Christian brought them along to the event. Now look, I, that's why I, I want to really stress this with you today because I want to encourage you to write down a list of all the people you know have any degree of relationship with at all. Whether it's just literally you say hi to them as you're leaving your house in the morning or whether you've got a real kind of close relationship with them as a neighbour or workmate or schoolmate or whatever it is and start to pray for them in your life groups. Make a point of praying for that list of everyone's list. Just get down to groups of two or three at the end of every life group meeting and pray for them. Strategize how you can, how you can get them along to the event. Offer to give them a lift. Offer to take them out for a meal afterwards. Whatever it is. But do what you can. Our world is desperate for Jesus. Our world desperately needs the Lord. Think about this, that you can be part of the process of people escaping hell and making it to heaven. It's that real. It's that powerful. I can remember, uh, and again, it's just a personal account. Uh, I was down in Cornwall two weeks ago. It was lovely to see Don Double again. He's in his 80s, still winning souls to the Lord. We just took him out for lunch and just such a blessing to meet him. He was the guy who trained me in ministry, you know, for, for seven years. And, uh, you know, as I was there in St. Austell again, it reminded me of one, one of the things that happened in my first year uh, of, of ministry. And I was down living in St. Austell at the time in Cornwall. And I remember I was back in the local church and we were so busy in those days, still busy today, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I remember one Sunday I was back in the local church in Cornwall. I wasn't doing the preaching. I was just there. And uh, I, I tend to keep my eye out in church for people who, who, who are there perhaps for the first time and nobody knows them. And maybe they're just there and they're kind of hanging around. And, and if nobody's going up saying hi, you know, that should never happen in a church. But, you know, I, I like to keep an eye out for them. And, and so I, I saw this guy. He was in his sort of mid-60s and he was sitting at the back. I'd never seen him there before. And he was having a cup of coffee. So I just went up to him and, I, and started to engage him in conversation. And I said, oh, hi, sir, did you, did you enjoy the meeting today? And he said, yeah, and we started a chat. And after a little while, I discovered he doesn't yet know Jesus. And so I shared the Lord with him. And within five minutes, he's bowing his head, he's praying with me, and he's giving his life to Christ. Well, that was wonderful. The next day, I'm driving up, any of you know St. Hostel, I was driving up the road that goes up to the railway station, up the hill there. And as I was driving up the next day up there, I suddenly saw that by the side of the road, there was an ambulance. And there was a whole commotion of people all around a body that was lying on the pavement. And I stopped my car and I got out, I parked up and I came down to see who it was and whether I could help. And as I came down and, and, and poked my head through the crowd, I couldn't believe it. It was the very guy that I had led to Christ the day before in church. He died that day. And you know, I was so grateful to the Lord that I didn't miss it. I have had some times, you know, that I have missed it. You know, the Lord forgive me. But I've had some times where I've missed it when the Lord prompted me to talk to somebody and I didn't. I was too busy or I was just too... And do you know what? People matter to God. Uh, some, yeah, sometimes I'm preaching to big crowds. Other times I'm sitting on the pavement, you know, with a homeless man, sharing Jesus with him. Jesus had time for the ones he had times for the multitudes. Well, I think to really be like Jesus, we have to always do that. 
And so can I just say that, you know, let the love of God, the compassion of God stir in your heart this Christmas for people. Christmas is a great time of celebration. And for some people, it's the loneliest time of the year. You know, I, I heard a statistic on UCB the other day that 30%, 30% of people, old people over the age of 70 in this country don't even celebrate Christmas because nobody comes to have Christmas with them. They don't have anybody. They sit alone in their home and some of them won't even cook a meal for themselves. Think about that. Let it move your heart. That's really strong. Let's do what we can to bring the joy and the love of Jesus Christ at Christmas to people. Amen? Okay. Wow, it went quiet at that point. I know, man, you guys, wow. Well, can I just say this, that the Great Commission, the Gospel, is an invitation from God Himself, from God who is a loving Father, the God who is love. It's an invitation from Him to people across the whole planet, to every individual, through His church, through you and me, to invite people to the great celebration that's going to happen on that day. Thank God when we're finally together with Him. It's an invitation to receive forgiveness. It's an invitation to be reconciled to God. It's an invitation to have a a living, life-changing relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. It is incredible good news. The gospel is an invitation. Today in Kingsgate Community Church, that our local church back in Peterborough, 49 new believers are being baptised this morning in Kingsgate. Their testimonies were read out on Wednesday evening, which was our touching heaven evening after three days of prayer and fasting. And their testimonies were read out. Let me tell you this, the common thread, the common theme in every one of their testimonies was this. At some point in the testimonies, it was read out. This was the phrase that came out with every single one of those 49 testimonies. My friend invited me to church. Or my friend kept on inviting me to church. (laughs) Okay. But the thing about it is that eventually people came. And when they came, their lives were transformed. Many people have got strange ideas about church. You know, the media doesn't help. But the fact about it is that if, if, if those are the views that people have, if that's the only voice they hear about church and even worse, about Jesus Christ, then they have no alternative voice. They don't know what church is like. They don't know what Jesus is like. And really, of course, it's not primarily about church. It's about Jesus. But you know, once they come to Jesus, they become part of His church, His people. And so, you know, we need to get out there and invite people so they can understand the truth. That's the common thread. In John chapter 1, verse 35 to 40, we read these words. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, or the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. When he encountered Jesus for himself, He had to go and tell someone else. Really the evidence of a healthy relationship with Jesus is that we cannot help but want to tell others about the Jesus who has saved us. 
Now, you know, if, if your life is not like that right now, I would encourage you to come afresh, to do the first things that you used to do when you first got saved. Rekindle your first love relationship with Jesus, the joy of your salvation. Because really, I often find some of the best witnesses to the gospel are people who've just given their lives to Christ. And they're living in the joy, the first love relationship of having encountered Jesus. They can barely believe how good God has been to them. They're so fresh aware that their sins are forgiven. They feel so clean on the inside and they just can't wait to tell someone about it. Well, remember that. Remember your Jesus. Amen. Remember Him. It's the main point. The main point is not what the prophets are saying right now. The main point are not what the latest teaching is out there. The main point is what Jesus did for us when He hung and bled and died on that cross and rose again. Amen. Not that I'm against what the prophets are saying or the latest teaching, but I'm just telling you, to me personally, I always think with the great apostle Paul who went to the third heaven and saw things that were unlawful even for a man to utter. I always think to me, myself nowadays, it seems there's plenty of people who want to talk about what they saw in heaven, but we won't go into that one. Um, But Paul said it was unlawful for him to utter the things that he saw. But anyway, there we are, it's another matter. But, you know, when he saw such things, had such revelation, He came back, you know, and he says this, he makes these statements. He said, God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which I've been crucified to the world and the world's been crucified to me. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. He said, you know, I want to become like Him in His death and His resurrection. My goodness me. He's making the main thing the main thing. And when you make the main thing the main thing, I tell you what, you live full of joy. So let me just encourage you, because that's really important, because you can't share glad news mad. (laughs) You have to share glad news glad. You know, good news, you need to share it with a smile. You can't be a grumpy ambassador of good news. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. So can I just say this, you know, this this is amazing. This is what Andrew says. Say, come. Come and meet the Jesus that I've encountered. We find in John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30, of course, the woman with, uh, you know, the Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well. And Jesus just opens up her life by a word of knowledge and she becomes open to God and, and her life is absolutely impacted and changed by meeting with Jesus. She goes back into the town <clears throat> and she talks to all the men. Now, the Bible's quite, she, she's, you know, a lot of the men knew her. She, wasn't, she was a lady with a bit of a reputation. But the fact about it is this. It's amazing what Jesus did in her life. And so because of that, she is so overwhelmed by this love of Jesus. He didn't condemn her, but he did expose it. He opened up her life. But he did so with love and her heart. She went away for, yes, brightly, you know, totally open to the light of Jesus. Nothing hidden, but felt completely loved at the same time. She's so impacted. She goes and tells all the men of the town, what, you know, about this Jesus says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. The Bible later says, is that they believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. This is the power of testimony. This is the power of invitation. The impact. And when you think about the impact of that one that led to a whole town coming to Christ. Think about it, there could be individuals that you invite at Christmas to come along here and to hear the gospel and to enjoy everything that's going to be going on and their life be so transformed that it could literally impact the whole community for Christ. It wouldn't be the first time it's happened. So may I encourage you, go for it. Really, it's awesome. I, I, I think of a particular testimony that, and there's many of them through the years, 
I've been doing this for 27 years. I, I, I can tell you um, there's so many stories like this, but this is just one happened last year at a church called Ashford Christian Fellowship. And I had the privilege of leading to the Lord in one of the meetings there, a very precious family. They were in tears as they gave their life to the Lord. They became totally overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Big, tall man uh, who looked very roughly clothed that day. And, you know, he, he was roughly, he wasn't really shaved or anything quite dirty and his wife was, it was all dressed up fine and their kids, they all came to the Lord. Anyway, prayed for them. They collapsed under the power of God. They were sobbing their hearts, holding each other. It was all so dramatic and so moving. I thought there's gotta be some real big story behind this. Sure enough, there was. I wanna tell you the story because I only later learned this about six months later from the wife. She came to a seminar I was doing at that church as a follow-up meeting. And this is what happened. Two years before that event, before that particular Sunday, um, you know, that couple had been doing really, really well. That family was doing really well. He was a successful businessman. And, you know, he used to go to the gym quite regularly. He would go along to the gym, get himself all, all muscled up, whatever else, and keep himself fit. And, but while he was down there, he started to, you know, kind of liaise a bit with, uh, with one of the young ladies down there. And they started exercising together and everything else. And, you know, tragedy set in as Harker became really connected with hers. And uh, tragically, one day he went back to her flat and committed adultery. His heart was so entwined with her, he left his wife and kids and he moved in with this woman. Well, that went on for three, four months, that affair. At the end of that, as often happens in these situations, she gets fed up of him and kicks him out of the house. Well, when he's kicked out of the house, he is so full of shame of the way that he's carried on in his life that he feels he can't go back to his wife. And so what he does now is he ends up just having a major alcohol problem. He's using what little money he has left. He's using it living in hotels. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he has this mass, massive alcohol problem to cover up his shame and his guilt. He ends up with no money left. He, you know, he's, his job's going down. He loses his job. He ends up on the streets. And, and there he is, homeless on the streets. He's an alcoholic. He's taking drugs. He's in a complete mess. Uh, his wife, his kids, they're in an even worse mess. You know, they're now, she's on benefits. They're really struggling now to pay the bills and to, to feed the kids and clothe them and all of that. Life is really tough. Anyway, thank God, a friend of hers from the local church, from Ashford Christian Fellowship, came around and invited her to the service that I was doing that Sunday with a leaflet that simply said this on it. There is hope at Ashford Christian Fellowship this Sunday at 10 o'clock. When her friend leaves, she gets on the phone and she phones up her husband. You know, she, he's, her husband has not answered him in years, has not answered her in years. She didn't even know if she's got the same mobile, but remarkably it's on and he answers. And this is what she says to him. She says, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've done, but I want to say this to you that I love you. I still love you. And I've just got a leaflet in my hand that says this, there is hope at Ashford Christian Fellowship. This is where it is. It's at 10 o'clock and this Sunday morning, I'll come and find you. If I have to come and find you, I'll come and collect you. If you know, if you'd rather not that, just meet me outside the church at 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's go in together. We need help. And I really believe that there will be help at that church on that Sunday morning. 
She turns up and she meets him outside. He doesn't know what to say. They come, both of them, under the sound of the good news of Jesus, that there is forgiveness through the cross of Christ, that we can start anew and everything be made new. That's the story. As they came out in response, they gave their lives to Christ that day. And they they were in sobs of tears. Do you know what? God totally restored their marriage, restored their family to get now they're happy members of the church down there in Ashford. These are the kind of stories that are behind that simple leaflet advert, that little invitation of you inviting your neighbour, your friend. Think about it and come along. Reach out to those people. May I always say that there is, there is always a go before there is a come. It's always important to understand that. You know, in Scripture, you see that. And when you see in Matthew chapter 4, you see Jesus going out. The way the Gospels start, there's a real unfolding of the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew 4, He starts out preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom, teaching in their synagogues and healing the sick all over the place. He goes. But as He goes and these miracles start happening, His reputation gets everywhere and they start coming. But they don't come until he first goes. And that's the whole pattern that we see. So if you want your friends to come, you have to first of all go to them and invite them. And then they're going to come. And so as we share, I I want to really wrap this up today by giving just three keys in this invitation, the power of invitation. And they're these, the power of words, the power of works, and I'm talking about works of kindness. And last of all, the power of wonders, okay? The power of words, the power of works, and the power of wonders. Let's just do this as closely, as, as quickly as I can. First of all, the power of words. You know, our words are powerful, aren't they? Yeah. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, in Proverbs 18.21, says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So think about that. You want to use your words to communicate life. You want to use your words to minister life to you, to your loved ones. You want to minister life to the people around you. You want to inspire hope. You want to inspire a sense of promise and expectation in people that you invite, that they're going to encounter Jesus. That's part of the power of your testimony. When you invite people, tell them your story. And that's really important. When people hear your story, it will open them up to hear his story. Okay, so it's important that you share your story. It's absolutely powerful when people are looking at someone in front of them that they know and you can tell them firsthand the reality of what Jesus has done in your life. Whether it's healing, whether it's forgiveness and a transformation of life, freedom from an addiction, freedom from depression or fear or whatever else it is, a restored marriage, restored family life. You know, the power of testimony is so strong And so I want to really encourage you to minister life with your words. Minister hope with your words. Be a life giver through your words. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, so that it ministers grace to the hearer. You know, I, I, I sometimes tell people the story of the first time I met T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne is an amazing American evangelist. Now, he probably led more people to the Lord than anyone in history, but he's gone on to be with Jesus last year. But the first time I met him, he was in his early 80s, okay? And this is the way he, this is, this is how he talked to me. I never met him in, his, in, in my whole life before he'd never met me. But the pastor, a good friend of this church also, Steve Upple, had invited him over and Steve had told him a little about me. So we come up there and 
He comes right, right up to me and these are his first words, his opening line to me. Hi, you must be Jonathan. I've heard all about you. God's on your side. This is your day. He says, you're mightily anointed by Jesus. This is your time. My time's coming to an end, but this is your day. The nation's dependent on you. God's on your side. You can do it. God's for you. I thought, man, yes, yes. Well, don't stop. (laughs) This is good. Man, I I felt like 10 men at the end of that. But the truth is, cool, you talk about using words to build up. He just built up, built up, built up. No wonder thousands of ministries have been released around the world through his ministry. People need encouragement in the world today. So many people. You know, I read a, an article in the Daily Mail that said this. You know, they, they did a huge survey of about 10,000 people. And the survey was, was based on how many of you say please, thank you, sorry, or something to encourage somebody every day. of people who were surveyed in the United Kingdom said they were too busy to do any of that. That's awful, isn't it? And yet, every one of them said that if somebody did that to them, it would make their day. (laughs) You would kind of think, really, if you want people to do that to you, you would do it first to them. It's kind of a basic principle of life, sowing and reaping. But may I encourage you to use your words to build up and to bless other people. Secondly, the power of works, works of kindness. Do you know that it's so powerful, the things that you do. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. He said, let men see your good works. This is Matthew 5, 13 to 16. So that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Sometimes in churches, um, good works get a little bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a bad show in the sense that we talk so much about the fact that we're not saved by good works. We're only saved by the good work of Christ on the cross. And of course, that's absolutely true. But we are saved unto good works. Yeah. And so once you, you can't be saved by good works, no one's going to get into heaven by having lived a good life. No one will make it to heaven because they took the Holy Communion or were baptized as a baby. You know, the baptism baby bit isn't even in the Bible. But anyway, that's another matter. But the fact is, nobody gets to heaven for those things. We only get to heaven because we accept the goodness of God in the fact Jesus died for us and rose again. Amen. We believe that. And when we believe and acknowledge Him as Lord, we get saved. That's the good news of the gospel. But once we're saved, we are saved unto good works that God has ordained for us to walk in. And so the good works really do count for something. They don't count towards salvation, but they do count towards reward on that day. And so I just say this to us that good works are really important in the kingdom of God. And according to Jesus, they are a primary way in which we are to be light in this world. And that we are to to save a society with with the good life and love of Jesus Christ. And my goodness, our world needs that. So, you know, just to use a couple of illustrations and, uh, you know, I, I could... I could cite many, um, but the way that good works catch people's attention. Uh, a number of years ago, we did a gospel campaign in uh, a place called Bimavram. It was right near the coast where that, uh, those horrendous cyclones and huge waves came in and, and crashed and killed so many people on, on that coast there, the east coast of, 
of India. We saw 54,000 people come to Christ over four days. Wonderful, wonderful uh, meetings. But what had preceded all of that was that in the six months before, as a ministry, we had raised thousands and thousands of pounds to help these villagers rebuild their, their homes, to clothe their children, to food their, feed their families and all of that kind of stuff. And so thousands of people turned up from those villages to our uh, open air gospel meetings because, uh, and then many of them wrote it on the back of the card saying, we came to thank you for, for literally for saving our lives by providing food for us and clothing and helping to rebuild our homes. But now we came to the meeting and we heard that we can be forgiven and have a new life with Jesus and we've given our lives to Christ. I thought it was wonderful that you said the, good, the kindness of God shown in practical deeds opened them up. It doesn't save people, but it builds a bridge and it opens the heart so that then we can share the good news of Jesus to people who otherwise their hearts may be hardened. And so it's so important. And of course, even if they didn't give their life to Jesus, we continue to express the love of God to people. Amen. Uh, on, on a much lesser basis, the way that people notice good works. I can remember one time, this is one that we lived down south, and I was literally chasing my tail from one ministry appointment to another. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have any time to eat lunch or anything, so I thought I'd quickly pop in to the Kingdom Faith Church, otherwise known as KFC. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I popped in to grab myself some lunch. And as I sat down for lunch, um, I took my, my chicken and whatever and I sat down on this, on this bar and I sat on this bar to eat. I noticed there was a lot of rubbish on the bar so I quickly turned, got all the rubbish together and I put it in a bin. And I sat down to eat. I looked along the, along the way there and there was a Nigerian fella sitting there eating some food. And I looked at his face and in his eyes and I could just see the light of Jesus in him. I knew he was saved. In my spirit, I knew he was saved. So I looked over him and I said, Sir, you know the Lord, don't you? And he looked at me and said, Yes, how did you know that? I said, I could see him in your face, sir. And then Aaron suddenly turned and he looked at me and he said, and you know the Lord too, don't you? I said, how did you know that? I was hoping you'd say, I saw him in your face, but he didn't say that. You know, he, he said, because I saw you clean up someone else's rubbish that was not your own. And I thought to myself, you know, so it's, a, it's a silly little example, really, just a small thing. But the fact is, it kind of caught my attention because it's our people watch us. They do watch us. And sometimes, you know, if we're late to work, we're always complaining, we're negative. You know, we're, we're not loving with our spouse. We don't serve and give and be generous and be loving people. Our words become like an empty Coke tin with a, you know, some stones in it or something. But when we actually share from loving people and being good to people, really expressing the love of God to people, our words carry weight. Our words carry weight. You know, don't, don't go out from a meeting like this and, you know, just go into your place of work and, you know, just instead of working, just going around sticking a leaflet under everybody's nose. You know, just wait till you've got a, a bit of free time. Invite somebody for a coffee after work and then invite them. If you're going to stick up and invite, you know, on the, on the notice board, make sure you check it with your boss first and make sure you're in early for work and you leave a bit later. Put a good impression there. Yeah. Amen. Works are important. Words are important. Last of all, can I just say the power of work, of literally the power of wonders also when we minister. You know, when we're inviting people. Many, many times people come to Christ because they're healed. We, you know that, of course. And, and, uh, and I know that. We see Jesus heal people and then their hearts open wide to the gospel. A couple of years ago, 
one of the churches we were doing an outreach with decided to do an evening that was a fish and chip supper. You know, free fish and chips. Everybody turned out for that one. And I remember when I came into that particular meeting, we were having a bit of a jazz concert while, you know, while the hall was filled with people eating their fish and chips. And then a couple of testimonies and I was on at the last bit. Well, when I came in, I, I, I didn't want people just to feel I was just there just talking to them and had no other interest in them. So I, so I just started to walk around when I first came in. I came, I sat at the tables and munched a bit with people and chatted with people before it was my time to go on the platform. But you know, as I, the first, one I, first table I sat down on, there was a guy there who had crutches. And I just looked at him for a moment and said, tell me, so what's, uh, what, what's with the crutches? And so he says, this is, well, he says, you know, I suffer with terrible fibr fibromyalgia. He said, I got constant pain in my body. He said, my wife has to help me out the bed in the morning. I'm on high dosage of medication, still doesn't touch it. He says, so I'm just creaking about everywhere. I'm in such a bad state. I said, look, sir, I know you're not a Christian yet, but look, please don't leave today without letting someone pray for you. You know, you really can be, you can be healed. Things can be different to the way they are. He looked up at me, you know, and his still really his face grimaced with pain. He said, you think so? I said, yeah, I know so. I know that Jesus can do this for you. I said, please, let someone pray for you. Anyway, I went up the, the front and I gave him a message. You know, when I gave the appeal, the opportunity for people to become Christians, to be forgiven and have a new life with God, I, his was the first hand up. And that was wonderful. And then uh, other people became Christians too. But then as I was just coming down from the platform, I suddenly noticed a commotion right at the back where he was sitting. And so I stopped at the edge of the stage and I looked over and I suddenly saw he's got up. And he's put his crutches on his, on his shoulder. And I thought, that, you know, and I'm looking there and I suddenly see the guys around now. He had his whole family with him. So about, and there was quite a large family, six, seven of them. And then he had 11 friends he'd brought along with him as well. So there were several long tables that were together. They'd all come together. He gets up and his family and friends say to him, what are you doing? And he, looked, he just says this and says, well, I don't understand what's going on, but all the pain's just left my body. He said, I'm not, he said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to stay sitting down now. I spent enough years sitting down. He said, I'm getting up. So he gets up like this and, and, he said, and they said, well, you know, well, wait for us. He said, well, no, I'm, I'm going. He gets up and he just walks off with his crutches under his arm. Well, the amazing thing is this. The next day in, in, in the park, we were doing a big open air barbecue and, and all kinds of games and stuff for young people, inviting everybody along. Uh, and there was a football match and whatever. Do you know what? Guess who was out there leading the team, playing the young people? It was the guy who got healed from fibromyalgia the night before. Healed by the power of God. Wonderful. He became a Christian and because of his healing, the whole family and all his friends got saved that night. You know, can I just say, there is real power in our words. There is real power in our works. And of course, there is real power when we simply ask the simple question to people, can I pray for you? It's all you have to do. It's a remarkable thing. They don't have to be living in holiness. <laughs> they don't have to be, you know, pure and devoted to God. In fact, in Luke 10, Jesus simply said this, wherever they receive you, that's the only condition for the unsaved healing. Think about that for a moment. It's not repentance. They can be living totally in sin. It's not repentance. It's not even faith. Nothing like that. For the unsaved to be healed, there's only one key. You need to be in faith, but this is it. Wherever they receive you, heal them and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I say to people, and this happens to me now and again, when I'm invited into a home, we chat, 
about general things for a while. And then after a bit, I say to them, thanks so much for this lovely cup of tea, bit of cake or whatever you give me. I'm so grateful. You know, it's been lovely to spend time to get to know you a bit. And uh, thanks for welcoming me into your home. Do you know, um, you may know that I'm a Christian. Of course, I, I'm a Christian minister. But just want to say this, wherever you're at with God right now and all of that, Jesus actually did give a promise to anybody who received those that represent him. And it's this, that if you receive me, you receive him. And in fact, that because of that, uh, I'm to heal you and tell you that God's kingdom has come close to you. So um, look, you've received me. You've made yourself, you know, you've fully qualified yourself for a miracle now. Do you have any pain in your body? Anything I can pray for you? And then some of them, they just tear up because it's a love approach to the kingdom. And they said, well, I've got this. I said, well, I don't know how to pray. Don't worry, I'll be doing that for you. They just pray for them, they get healed. And then they just open right up and they become Christians. Some of them have resisted God for years. But it's His kindness that leads us to repentance, isn't it?